This is episode 405 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, A Collapse Update from Venezuela, Things Just Keep Getting Worse. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, I want to let you know that I just recently released the audio version of my ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. When you purchase the audiobook, you get access to the Prepper Website forums just like you do the ebook. If you'd like some more information, there is a link in the show notes, or you can come on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. So our article comes to us from theorganicprepper.com, and I've read a lot of articles uh, from uh, or talking about Venezuela before in the past, and I think it's very beneficial to hear from someone who is connected over there. Now, the author, Jose, who's been writing articles for Daisy over at The Organic Prepper, um, you know, he's not in Venezuela anymore. However, his family is. And so it's a, it's kind of the same thing that uh, uh, Furfall, uh, Fernando Aguirre, uh, when he talks about Argentina and he left Argentina years ago and uh, he went to Ireland. I believe he spent time in Ireland a couple of years there and then he went over to Spain. And it's the same idea. He's tied. He's got family that's over there. And he is able to hear firsthand accounts of what's going on. And of course, he, uh, you know, he's hoping to at one point go back to Venezuela because that's, you know, his family's there. That's his home uh, country. And he, you know, he wants to be there with uh, with his family. But uh, it's very beneficial, I think, when we hear about what's going on over there, because it gives us a little bit of insight of what possibly could happen if, if we encountered an economic collapse. Now, a lot of the times people will write articles and maybe it's it's kind of like, hey, this is what people say will happen. This is what could happen. But it's, you know, I think it's important to look at what is happening in some of these countries. Now, not everything is the same. Venezuela is a very socialistic, uh, you know, some people would say even communistic uh, country in the way that it is run, very dictatorial uh, with, you know, the, the strong man in power over there. The people do not have firearms. There's no way to, when they, when they come up against the, the government, they pretty much, you know, they, they come at them with rocks and, 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 and stuff like that, rocks and sticks when they protest because there are no firearms over there. So n- not everything is the same, but you can see how bad things are and what kind of things that, you know, you might need to be thinking about. So let's go ahead and jump into this article and see what's going on now in Venezuela. Editor's note, there is a lot to learn watching the long, excruciating collapse of Venezuela. Jose shares his insights and the stories of those left behind as well as some suggestions in the event we ever found ourselves in a similar situation. This week, he provides an update on the new currency, the disastrous takeover of private businesses, and a story about one woman who is managing to survive the collapse into Barrio. I'm very thankful for the wisdom he shares with us for this horrible event. Daisy. The most recent reports from Venezuela have been somewhat disturbing to say the least. 
Things just keep getting worse in an already terrible situation. The new banknotes seem to be already depreciating themselves even before going into circulation. The money spent on the generation of these new bills is wasted if that happens. I wonder why the bartering and the usage of precious metals has not been as extended as it should. Perhaps it is because of the people could not accumulate enough wealth in the last 20 years. So guys, I am reading it just like it is here. And remember, uh, for Jose, English is a second language. The power grid is arriving to the final stage. The hydroelectric turbines, like those used in Guri, the Venezuela version of the Hoover Dam, are delicate equipment that need a lot of money and skilled people to be maintained. Formerly, this was done with some companies belonging to the industrial service sector. These were contracts that, after a public tender, were given to the winner of the bid. This, just like in any other civilized country, was the standard. There was some elbow rubbing and money under the table, of course, but it was kept to the highest levels unlike now, until Uncle Hugo and friends arrived. This is logical as they needed to allow corruption so they could have the entire control. Those of the gang who rebelled against Uncle Hugo were in prison, proof and all, in a blink. And the proof was real, of course. Okay, going back on topic. My people there have described in their own words the situation as apocalyptic. This is one of my former co-workers who used to laugh and joke about me buying toilet paper flour, and sugar once a year while he used to drink twice as much as I do. I don't drink a lot because my stomach gets sick with just five or six beers, but anyway, I prefer to save my liver for special occasions. He was a chubby guy and he has lost plenty of weight, close to 35 kilograms or maybe more. He just had his third baby, a lovely surprise even in this scary times. If things were different, perhaps I myself would have dared to have another kid, but it seems that my two boys will have to have their own babies in the future. All right, so that you know that's one of those things, right, where uh, I wonder if his friend, and I don't know if he talks to him or not, goes back and, and, and thinks back, I'm like, man, I wish I would have done what Jose did, right? Maybe things wouldn't be as bad. Uh, you know, and the fact that you, you're losing weight and you don't want to lose weight, you know. He's like, you're losing weight because there's not a lot enough food to go around, and you you're eating, you know, barely. You know, think about how you sit around, and maybe you go to dinner with friends or family. Maybe you sit down and you have a nice meal, and and you bring out, you know, everything. Like, you know, you you bring out whatever you want, and and maybe it's not even a nice meal. Maybe it's just your regular family meal, your dinner, right, at night or in the evening time. You sit down, and, you know, what a great time just to be able to have different choices and varieties, and then imagine not being able to do that. Imagine being like, hey, this is what we have. We're going to eat this because our bodies need the nourishment, not because we're sitting around and, and talking and, and fellowshipping and having a good time. We're sitting down and eating because we need to, to put nourishment into our body so that you know we can continue to make it another day so that we have energy for the next day. I mean, imagine how, how crazy that would be. And then imagine bringing in a kid you know, in, in those type of conditions, right? I mean, people have always had babies in, uh, you know, women have always gotten pregnant 
during times, during rough times and rough economic times. But just think about the stress of that, of, of you, the stress that you might have realizing that you are bringing in a child into a situation like this. And then if you know that if they were sick or they had to go to the hospital or something like that went down, that you know a lot of those services aren't available. And just think about the stress that you would have in that kind of situation. All right, so uh, let me keep moving. A very concerning fact is the impact of this crisis on employment. There are some companies that are struggling to keep operating. If they fail to float, their companies will be confiscated and their facilities will be, quote unquote, assigned. Geez, how I have come to hate that word. To the workers who have never risked even a dime of their own in the commercial operation of a business. But without the needed operation capital, nor consumables, and with the providers running away, who is going to supply to a company without capital? This is the road to oblivion. This has been seen in several instances. Indeed, the quote-unquote employees' owners finish by selling whatever they can to get out of the building because there is no possible way they can afford the needed expenses to run the company. This is what they called labor control. Control Obrera or Gestion Obrera, and I remember Uncle Hugo proudly letting the laborers know that they knew how to produce whatever they were working on. Huge mistake. Our oil and power production numbers informed to those morons dumb enough to believe everything Uncle Hugo said are proof that in a modern world, the knowledge is power. All right, guys, so let's just go back to that just a minute there where they are allowing the, the people that have run companies are all like they've taken off, right? Uh, most of them realize the, the writing on the wall and if they didn't leave beforehand, and now it's, it's a little bit harder to leave Venezuela, but now they, they've turned over companies to the, to the workers and those that are not familiar with how to run a business and so they're just, you know, they're just there and they sell off uh, you know, the buildings. They sell off all the things that they can to be able to survive. And then that's it. And then they, they don't have a, a business anymore. And he's talking about here is like knowledge is power, the ability to run a business, the ability to know how things are uh, run and, and made and all that kind of stuff. That is a big deal. And think about what kind of knowledge you have and how that can be valuable in whatever kind of situation you might be in. All right, continuing on. In an unbelievable twist, the government decided to use a card that is being used as a blackmailing tool, the infamous Cardinet de la Patria, to instate a gasoline rationing. This is the tool used for the elections fraud, and the world seems to be unaware of this. This means that, according to the extremely low volume of information that the Mafia has issued about this topic, those with the carnet will pay, supposedly, a very low price for gas. Those without the carnet will have to pay international prices with a salary that is not even close to the African republics. This said, those living in developed countries will have a small idea of the potential problem no oil industry, military controlling the supplies of everything massively consumed, and the gangs controlling by force the social uprising. If this is not just this close to boiling over, I will tattoo Uncle Nico's face in my sorry backside. 
All right. So, um, of course, you know, the government allows that favoritism to happen in, uh, in return for those votes. Okay, jokes aside, the best option under the current situation is a nice compound, not too close to the city, but not too far either. I would go, but just because I know my area and my people, with a compound in some medium-class neighborhood with a tall cement wall. And guys, I'm going to tell you, that is what Fernando Aguirre recommended as well when he was uh, when he talked about Argentina. He said that, you know, out in the country, those that were out in the country all by themselves, you know, that that people knew they were there and they went and they robbed them and they stole from them, even maybe raped them, maybe even killed them to take what, you know, their stuff that they had. The people that were able to uh, band together in neighborhoods and uh, pay for security and were able to, you know, have security gates and those types of things. Those people survived a lot better in the economic crunch in Argentina. Exactly what Jose is saying here, what he would do. All right, small living headquarters means that much less power is needed for cooling and lots of plants or trees provide a fresh microclimate. Some vegetable production media, a high performance one, could have been developed to maximize the space. Of course, some laying hens, no matter if the neighbors complain, they will quit complaining after bartering some of their stuff to get eggs or some poultry. A decent sized patch is expensive, but I know that the mother of one of my friends, a physics teacher working now in a slippers factory, go figure, is living from the small plot of land behind her home in a low income barrio. She had to reinforce her wire fence though because they were stealing her vegetables. A good, big old dog with a nice growl ability is enough. I truly hope they don't hurt him. She cultivates plantains, yucca, tomatoes, sweet potatoes, and some other roots commonly found in the Caribbean. Add a small piece of some kind of meat to a pot, a couple of carrots, and it is done. Her meals are mostly whatever she can barter for her products. I know she has even got soap and shampoo and other personal hygiene items by trading with eggs and poultry. These hygiene supplies have become very rare items and expensive hard to find. Eggs and poultry, not that much, but their quality has decreased a lot. Size and sanitary conditions are just not the same and the herds are diminishing because of the needed vaccines, which are imported, are no longer available. Perhaps this is something good because it will allow to those herds to recover their strength. But in the midterm, well, we all know the consumption has decreased as well with the almost 6 million of people who have left. All right. So kind of important there where, you know, you have this woman who has a small patch of land and she is making it work for herself. You know, bringing in some dirt, being able to amend that, being able to compost I'm sure all those things are going on where she's able to survive. And you'll be, again, being the tropics, the Caribbean, you should be able to grow a lot of things. I mean, your growing season is, you know, should be almost nonstop, I would think. I mean, I'm not exactly sure about that, but I'm, I'm almost positive that you have a very, very long growing season. And, uh, you know, the more that you have, you know, investing in some pots investing in the ability to go find soil and uh, you know even if you have to go dig it up yourself find soil and ways to amend that 
I mean, how powerful would that be? Which again, this woman is you know making it work for herself, having that dog for protection. I mean, you have a big dog that can you know growl and bark. Yeah, people are going to think twice about going into that yard and and finding out if it's worth it or not. I mean, you got to be really really hungry to be able to do that. I think it was curious what he said here about the animals that herds are diminishing because there's not vaccines, but he's wondering, and if I get, if I read this correctly from what he's saying, that I guess those that are stronger, the herds that are stronger will just naturally, uh, by, by natural selection, I guess, you know, the, the herds that are sickly or whatever, uh, and I'm not exactly sure what he's meaning by herds here, but those animals that are a little bit more sickly and they're not as strong will continue to die off. And then those that are stronger will, uh, will you know, continue to breed and ultimately the herds will be stronger over time. But in the meantime, you still have, you know, this situation here. Um, you know, it's, again, he's saying six million people have left. And so you have that idea that there's not as many people to feed, but uh, you, you have that. So I wonder if. You know, a lot of the times you'll hear, oh, I'll post articles about guerrilla gardening where you go out and you just, you know, you find a place in a park or you find a place that's kind of secluded and you just, you know, you put uh, vegetables into or seeds into the ground hoping that they will grow up. And, uh, you know, from time to time you go and you check on those and just kind of let nature take over. And so I wonder if that is something that people are doing over there, if they're if they have that ability uh, to do that. All right. So let me continue on. Uh, this is confirmation that those who know how to get food from the earth will endure much longer than the other ones like me who do not have the needed skills to procure themselves food in a rural environment. Unless foraging, fishing, or hunting, some poor critter for a pot of stew. So again, that knowledge of having or that gardening knowledge is very important. Don't get me wrong, I grew up in the tropical forest but never tried to live or grow something as I moved to a concrete jungle pretty early in life. With the proper tools and equipment, though, and the nice weather, knowing what I know now about water management and some other stuff freely available in the webs, I am sure that I could manage myself. But the problem is not just me, but my loved ones. I am able to fix myself with Caribbean rum and some chewed tobacco in a wound and to improve my disease resistance with natural herbs, aloe vera, and orange juice. I know chemistry enough for distilling some spirits without killing or blinding anyone and making soap. But after the salmonella issue with my younger kid, I am not taking any chances, fellows. And to provide useful advice, here is the real valuable information of this article. Try to get a setup of long-life batteries and low-consumption LED warm lights. Feed power with your preferred method. A pork walking inside a huge hamster-like wheel if you want, but do it. So I think he was maybe saying a pig walking inside a huge hamster-like wheel. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was, he's suggesting having some kind of, uh, you know, long-life battery, solar-powered uh, setup here. And so, you know, that's one of those things that made me think about. So he says, why? Because in a long-term collapse, it is likely that you won't have electricity, and we know how we depend on this. I just saw one of the major car manufacturers in Europe selling a scooter able to make 100 kilometers with a single three-hour charge, 
with the current fuel rationing in my formerly oil producing country, this would be an excellent alternative. As a matter of fact, I am going to design and try to build some sort of cart with batteries and an assistant small electrical engine for my bike. The pedal version, not the chrome behemoth back there in Venezuela. Perhaps we have to come back and we will need cheap daily transport. So he says, thank you. I want to thank you again to those readers who have been kindly sending assistance. My younger kid is in the middle of a spiritual awakening. His grandma is doing a good job talking to him about God. And I enjoy a lot when he found five cents in the sidewalk and smiles and says, look, dad, God is good with us again. He is indeed my dear son. I have plenty of readers that are are a proof of that. I love you all people. Stay safe and God bless. All right, so let me go back up uh, to this battery, um, this long-term battery situation here. Um, You know, having some deep cell batteries, uh, having some inverters where you can charge things off of that, having solar panels which will allow you to charge those deep cell batteries um, would be very beneficial. Now, here's the deal. When you think about a solar solar, uh, battery charging system, or solar uh, battery backup system. You you can't think about electricity the same way that you would when you have electricity in your home. You've got to think about the basics. You got to think about what's more most important because to run all the lights in your home and to be able to even the AC, right? I mean, I don't know living in Houston, I don't even know how I would, you know, survive some of the days, you know, that we have the heat without AC, but you, you won't be able to run that. You won't even be able to run all the lights. You won't be able to run your refrigerator and stuff like that, but you do, you will need lights, right? You will need the ability to charge certain things, uh, like your, maybe your cell phones, maybe, you know, like, uh, you know, your flashlight so that you can be able to get around and lanterns and different things like that. So you, you need to have that mindset. When you think about a solar uh, a solar battery bank system, you know, you're, you're not going to have electricity like you're used to. It is a very small system, basic system to be able to give you the, you know, the, the most important things that you're going to need to be able to get around and to survive and uh, the, the things that are crucial for your setup, whatever that might be for you. So you need to remember that because in order to run your whole house, you're going to have a humongous batteries, amount of batteries, and that's just not financially viable unless you are so rich that, uh, you know, you are okay with, you know, putting down, uh, you know, a bunch of money on this. So I just wanted to throw that out there because sometimes I think people new to preparedness think about, oh yeah, I'm going to go get some, you know, some uh, solar panels and I'm going to have some batteries and I'm going to be good. And that's just not, you know, that's not the way it works. So just FYI on that one. All right, guys, a lot to consider here. A lot of things to kind of take in. Things have been going bad in Venezuela for a long time now. And one of the things that we want to do always, and it seems like I keep saying this over and over and over again, we want to stay prepped and aware. We want to keep our eyes open. We want to be paying attention to what's going on in the world, but also here at home as well. And, and so that we can make very good decisions for our family, because that's what we prep for. 
We want to make sure that we prep for those that we love, that we care about. We want to make sure that they are taken care of. We want to make sure that we mitigate as much of the pain that someone would feel in a situation, whether that is a personal situation that you had lost your job or maybe you have gotten sick or or whatever might happen, you know, just personally, all the way up to a global situation where, you know, the whole world is in turmoil. And we want to make sure that we we do everything that we can, right? That's reasonable for us. And we want to make sure that we take care of our of our families. And so that's why we continue to stay prepped and aware. That's why we continue to keep our eyes open for what is going on. And that's why I think articles like these are so valuable where, you know, you just get a little taste of how people are surviving, how people are making it at the same time, seeing, you know, how bad it is getting out there. So that's going to be over at theorganicprepper.com. I'm going to link to it in the show notes like always. So you can go check it out for yourself and click on some of the links and read some of the comments that are there. Well, that is it for episode 405. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.